We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day Seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge, the answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 115. Scott, how you doing? Good. I'm doing battle with a squirrel at the time being. We have a squirrel that has gotten into my attic and I'm basically at war with this dude because he's chewed through the first barrier that I put up and got back in and I've gone from plastic to metal now. He's not getting back in my house. It's, it's, uh, it's becoming a problem. <laughs> Did I uh, ever tell you the story about the time bats got in my apartment? No. This was four, four, maybe even five years ago. I was not in my current apartment. I was in a different apartment. I came home one night. Uh, it was like a Friday or Saturday night. I'd been out drinking and I walk in and I just sort of kind of hear this flapping going on and I look up and there's just two bats circling the ceiling and I'm like, holy shit, what the hell do I do? I immediately ran into the other room because I didn't want to get bit by a bat, kind of calm myself down. And uh, so the bats were in my, in my living room, but then they, they flew into the bedroom. So I trapped them in there. What I did was I took a, like a, like a bath towel and mm-hmm. I, I wound it up so it was sort of like uh, tight. And I just started sw- uh, sw- uh, swatting at them. And I got one of them. I hit it and it hit, flopped up against the wall and fell down dead. And the other one I sort of just flushed out uh, out of the window. Uh, Have you ever I- seen the movie Black Sheep, the Chris Farley movie, where they, where it's, it's him and David Spade and they're in the, in the woods and they get bats in their uh, cabin and they take a sheet, one, one on one side, the other one on the other side, and they like – funnel it out towards the uh to the door so yeah those things are no joke and uh i mean it's reminding me of the squirrel because squirrels are rats with tails and bats are flying rats so yeah squirrels suck i mean they're everybody thinks they're all cute they're not they're not they're a Wait pain a in the ass who thinks squirrels are cute i think people think squirrels are cute i think people a lot of people think squirrels are cute 
and they're not. There's nothing. They're dirty. They're I've never they're once a pain heard in the that ass. Take on squirrels. They're a pain in the ass, and they they ruin stuff. Like when they try to get in, they're, and he's definitely trying to burrow in my house. It's not not happening. Not happening. I woke up one time when I was in college. I live. I was living in my fraternity house at the time, and I woke up, and there was a bird in my room, <laughs> and and uh, it was uh, it freaked me out. It freaked me out. I finally got it out by just a regular bird, like a just a, yeah. It was like a I don't even remember what kind of bird it was. Honestly, it was a it was a I mean, bird I that was no. I would not I was be able in a to tell very you what small kind of birds room. are other than seagulls. Yeah, it was a bird. That's all I know. It was flying and and it was pooping all over my room. <laughs> I finally got on? it out. The, my bed did, yes. My bed well, did. Getting pooped on by a bird is supposedly good luck. Mm. I don't know if it's good luck if it's in your room, though. That's <laughs> sort of taking advantage of the whole thing. Right. Um, over the weekend, I started reading The Last Night of the Yankee Dynasty by Buster Olney. Have you ever mm-hmm. read that? No. So I've had this book for years. I think I got it from a gift from, from an aunt at, at one point for her birthday or whatever. Uh, and I just sort of put it away and never planned on reading it out of fear of being thoroughly depressed after reading it because it centers around Game 7 of the 01 World Series. Uh, but I, uh, for whatever reason, I, I cracked it open this this uh, this weekend and started reading it. I'm only like 50, 60 pages in. But there was something in the very beginning of the book that, that made my stomach churn. Um, so obviously it's foreshadowing uh, to what will later happen in the book. But apparently before Game 7, uh, Gene Monahan gave a very rousing speech. Um, the whole team w- was super fired up, and they were saying it was one of the best pregame speeches they'd ever heard. Um, and then Rivera decided to get up and say something, and apparently this was like the first time in the entire time with the Yankees he had ever gotten up in front of the team and said something out loud. He would he would talk to players individually, but he would never address the team uh, like in a pregame setting. And apparently he just spent the whole five minutes he talked talking about faith and God and everything. And it just took the entire buzz out of the room. And um, if that is true and if that really happened, um, maybe Buster was exaggerating for effect or something. But that sort of just made me think, what if? So you're saying he he jinxed the team? It meant he jinxed himself. Jinxed himself. Wow. I, Gene Monahan would probably not be the guy that I would expect to give right? That's like a fired me. up speech. That's not the that that would not be the guy that I would uh, would have pegged for that for that Joe speech. Joe Torre apparently picked him because he had a personal relationship with all the players. Obviously, he yeah. he worked with them one on one for various injuries and and strength and all that kind of stuff. Well, that'd be interesting. That'd be interesting to uh, we should reach out to to Monahan and see if we can get him on because that would be some. I bet he's got some great stories. And yeah, I would love to hear a little bit of that speech and see how how he fired everybody up. Be, um, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I mean the, he got a he got like a farewell ceremony. When's the last time you never heard of he a, was, a person he's been around for a, a trainer, long time? A team trainer yeah. getting a farewell ceremony. He's around so clearly, for a long time. Yeah, clearly he was a, a beloved in that clubhouse. Very but I will let you know. I will let you know how this book goes. I might. I might. Uh, some. I, I. I know where this book is going, and some of these stories just make me um, reminisce about the old days and and how it truly was sort of the last night of that specific dynasty. So it's a. It's going to be a sad read for me. Uh, yeah, but you're going to pull some some good stories out of it, most likely. Because That's why of, I started you know, sprinkled reading. Sprinkled in. Sprinkled in. You, you get these gems, like yeah. the fact that G. Monahan gave uh, you know a fire up speech in Game Seven. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. I, yeah. That's sort of why I, I started reading it just to see what was in there. If I can, if I can get some good tidbits for the podcast and share it with everyone. Well, good. Don't expect me to read the book and we'll review it. You can just tell me what happens and you know, all the good stories. So that no, I don't, don't worry. Have to go and read. I'm not, I'm not going to make you do a book review. This is an Oprah's book club. <laughs> Thank you. It's uh, it is uh, the Bronx pinstripes movie club though. And uh, coming up, we are going to be reviewing the movie 61, as we've been saying for a couple of weeks now. Um, we have tentative plans to record that this coming Friday, so it will be out um, in the next week or so. It might not happen on Friday, but but expect it in the next, let's call it, two weeks. Um, so everyone out there, go illegally download it wherever you can find it and watch it. Send us some tweets, send us some mailbags about the movie, and we will read those on the podcast. Um, and and we'll, we'll shoot the shit about it for half hour, 45 minutes. Also, uh, last week we started giving out a 25% off code for the fan shop. Saw one person today was tweeting me about he bought a new hat and a new hoodie using the code, so that's great to hear. 
Um, the new code for this coming week is Rebuild Empire 25. It's all one word. Um, Scott, anything else to say about that? No, that covers it. We've had a bunch of people use the code, and we've uh, every every week I'm pretty much adding more stuff. You could see a whole bunch of hats in there. Those are new from last week. I don't even remember the if we had them. Hats are sick. I love those hats. Yeah, I'm pumped up about them. It was, uh, I, you know, I've been talking about making these hats for a while, and I have some more up my sleeves that I'm gonna put put down. But um, they're they're cool hats. You know, they're very similar to like the hat itself is is like a new era hat, but it's not. It's a it's FlexFit. It's the same company. It's uh, Yupong, the same company that makes the FlexFit hats. And they're, I mean, they're practically for all intents and purposes like the new era hats. They're, they're nice. They're good quality. So, yeah, I'm excited about them. They're going to be, uh, they're going to be sweet. Good stuff. So again, Rebuild Empire 25. If you want that 25% off code, that'll be good for a week. And we will have another one on episode 116. All right, let's get into some Yankees talk here. So, um, sort of baseball Christmas this week with the the top 100 prospect rankings coming out. Keith Law came out with his top 100. MLB Pipeline came out with their top 100. Um, for Keith Law, he had six Yankees in there, and MLB Pipeline had seven Yankees in there. I mean, it's just last year I think they had two, right? Didn't they just have two last year at this time? Maybe three. So they've doubled their top 100 prospects in the course of one season, which is amazing to see. Gliber Torres is the number three prospect in all of baseball. Um, and he's the number one shortstop prospect in baseball, obviously with his extremely hot Arizona fall league and end of 2016, he's been shooting up uh, prospect boards. Everyone's excited for him. The other guys in the top 100 are Clint Frazier, Blake Rutherford, Aaron judge, Jorge Mateo. Although interesting, he was number 47 on pipeline and he wasn't even in Keith law's top 100. So that was the only one that was way off. Um, Caprillian is number uh, 58 and then Justice Sheffield is also in the top 100 at 79 so great stuff to see isn't it funny that even before all this happened before Law did his and MLB Pipeline you got you got guys like uh, or Bleacher Report and ESPN all trying to like hedge them at the past head them off before they get their rankings out and put their own rankings out so I, f- I feel like I've seen like 15 <laughs> top 100 rankings and I mean the the clear consensus though the good news is that the Yankees are are at the very very top of all mm-hmm. of these uh, so everybody who's coming out there, I mean, if you look industry-wide and whoever's making these rankings, the consensus is that the Yankees have a top three, uh, you know, top farm two system. S- farm system, which is awesome. Um, and yeah, they're all, you know, the majority of these guys are um, Aaron Judge, obviously already in the majors. And and then with the, 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 I think seeing Blake Rutherford so high to me was probably the most surprising and most I was excited about that because, I mean, he's so low right now. He's playing last year, most of the season in um, in Pulaski, Virginia at low A. I mean, I don't even know if that's called A ball at that point. But then going to Tampa and, you know, this year probably going to start off in Tampa. So that's pretty cool seeing him at number 37 that low. Um, I think that part of it is, though, because he, he's got he's got such a high ceiling at this point that that sort of factors into his prospect status, if you know what I mean. The, yeah, but the, if you look at where he was drafted, I mean, drafted at the you know towards the back of the first round, and yeah, the fact that he's already he up to a thirty-seven. But but he was he was on uh, a consensus consensus first round draft pick. I mean, the Yankees, I think, were sort of fortunate to get him where they got him. Oh, that's what I'm saying. I think I think they got a real a real bargain. Seeing that he's the number thirty-seven in all of baseball, and he was drafted last year at the end of the first round. That's a that's a jump just from where you were drafted, in my opinion. I mean, the the hundred are, you know, they're taking into account of all the guys that are in the the minor leagues at this point. This is a guy that just got drafted and he's the number thirty sevens. Like why why was he not higher? Why was he not drafted higher? What you know, what what happened there? Why was there a, a slide if that's if that's what it was? I don't know. Um I mean it could have just been a very strong draft. Yeah. I guess um, I I think part of what goes into these rankings is a player's makeup. And a lot of these people contributing to these rankings have spoken to these guys and we spoke to Blake Rutherford and I mean the kid was 19 and he was like a seasoned veteran I mean he was extremely impressive and I think that goes into it and what I'm getting at is that maybe that's why Keith Law didn't have Jorge Mateo uh, in the top 100 because there have been some question marks about Mateo's attitude and maybe Keith Law thinks that's a huge red, red flag and that's why he's out of his top 100 I mean it's pretty crazy that Pipeline has him at 47, so a, a top 50. 
and Keith Law doesn't even have him in his top 100. That's a very wide gap. Yeah, it's extremely strange. I mean, he did have a down year last year. You're looking at, looking at his numbers. It was not a great year for him. Um, but, you know, there's there's nothing saying the physical tools aren't there. It's not like he he went to a different league and struggled. I think he just had a bad year. And, you know, I think a lot of mental things were going on. Obviously, it's been well reported. We've talked about it. I mean, he was suspended, didn't play in the Futures game. There's a lot of things that, that had um, that, you know, were not looking good for him last year. So, I, the the fact that there's I don't it's it's very strange though I mean that like you were saying that's a huge gap it, it's yeah. uh, it it makes me question Keith's law Keith Law's uh, list a little bit to tell you the truth well <laughs> or you could question Pipeline's list well why, I mean Mateo why is, are you choosing to question because Mateo is a top I mean he was he was a top prospect before this year yeah, he was on, he was on Keith Law's top 100 last year yeah so. I don't know. I mean, how do you jump from that far off? I mean, it's not. He did have a bad, a, a down year. It wasn't a terrible year. Right. He still got all the physical tools. He still got all the physical things that that everybody you know looks at him and says that uh, you know contribute to his prospect status. So I mean, a little bit of a, a mental, a, a little bit of a mental hiccup, which that's what I see. I mean, it happened to Gary Sanchez also, and looked like it turned out okay for him. I don't know. I just uh, I think you're you're judging a young kid too much on the mental side of it if you're knocking him down that far. I, I think it's uh, you're putting a little too much stock in that. Yeah, unless uh, unless he keyed Keith Law's car or something like that. And yeah, he- unless he knows something <laughs> like way personal that nobody else knows about. That's what it sounds like almost. It's either that he's dismissing him for some reason or he knows a nugget that I don't know. I mean. Look, the kid's very young. What is he? 22, 23 years old. I don't so, think, yeah, he's not that old, is he? Hold on. I don't know. He's he's in his early twenties. He's a he's a kid who's figuring things out. So twenty one. You gotta look. You gotta look more at the physical tools, in my opinion, when you're when you're talking about a kid that young. Well, but a lot of times the physical tools on a lot of these players are so close and indistinguishable that personal makeup is what separates them. He was named. I think I saw, I saw somewhere. I don't have the official report, but I saw somewhere on the internet of, of truth that he was the fastest guy in minor league baseball, named the fastest guy in minor league baseball again this year. So, I mean, if that's yeah, true think or not, that alone would he's get up him. there. You yeah. think this, the fact that if, uh, even if the Yankees wanted to just use him as a pinch runner, I mean, the fact that he is, he's the fastest guy in all of major league baseball it right. should get him in the top 100. That that's I mean, a, that's a tool that is extremely important when it comes to, to baseball because Say they want to convert him to an outfielder. Okay, well, he's got the range. He's fast as hell. So, I mean, speed is one of those assets that I think uh, should warrant a top 100. Well, the, the other thing is it's not just the speed because I'm sure there's a lot of fast guys, but this guy knows how to steal a base also. I mean, there's... <clears throat> yeah. there's 70, there's, whatever, right? I mean, granted, if bases. you look at those numbers, yeah, it was a lot. The The numbers are are pretty flashy when you see them. If you look at how many times he got caught, I was very surprised to see how high that was as well. But again... You you see the fact that he can he's got the natural speed the natural instincts to steal the base the you know your the percentage of him getting caught to me is going to go down as he gets older just because he's going to get smarter on the base path but he's still going to have that speed those wheels are not going to you know, he's probably going to get faster for or stay as fast for a few more years. Do you uh, remember how many times he got caught? I'd have to look it up, but it was it was uh, I was surprised in how high it was. I'll look it up now. Um, so unlike Brett Gardner, he's not afraid to steal a base. Right. And well, and I think I think that, you know, being in the minor leagues and showing off all of your tools, you know, it's important to do that. So, you know, I, I, well, I'm sure thing, they sent him a lot. One thing that also comes as you advance through the through the system and into the major leagues is that once you're in the majors, you get scouting reports on pitchers moves and times to the plate and all that kind of good stuff. And uh, and you can use that to, to steal your bases. I don't think they're getting that in single A ball. So in 2015. He stole 82 bases and was caught 17 times. So, so he stole. He he attempted 99 times. Yep. And then, and then in 2016, he stole 36 bases and was caught 15 times. So I mean, it that's went not way a good up. ratio, right? I mean, you if you steal 99 times, you're bound to get caught. I mean, look at Ricky Henderson. He routinely was caught in the 20s times because he was stealing every time he was on base. So that's gonna happen. Um, yeah, it was not so much the, the number in 2015. It's the 2016 number that you're looking at yeah. where he had actually more at-bats in 16 playing in Tampa. And, you know, granted, you're, you're up at single single A there. And I think he was in, uh, he was in a, 
uh, Florida, or no, he was in uh, Charleston when he racked up a lot of those stolen bases in 2015. So moving to Tampa was definitely, um, even in 2015 when he had all those stolen bases, when he moved to Tampa, he stole 11 bases. So he was only up there for 21 games. Yeah. But um, it went significantly down when he had a full year in Tampa. He's got wheels. That's that's not a question. Right. Um, one thing, though, that makes this – the seven guys, six, depending on who you look at, guys in the top 100 prospects, that's all amazing. That's great. But then think about the fact that Gary Sanchez, Greg Bird, and Luis Severino, all three young players the Yankees expect to contribute in a huge way over the next few years, are not on there because they are no longer prospect eligible. But that's 10 young guys that should be making a big impact for this team very soon. No doubt. I mean, it's, you know, I don't know how much, how I, I, I don't think I could get more pumped up for this season than I, than I am. Cause I, I think it's uh, at, at a certain point, I'm just, you know, just talking about the same things and, and getting pumped well, up for the same things, but it's, it's insane how, how many young guys, and we're not even talking about the other guys too, like Tyler Austin and, you know, Ref Schneider's the young guy that was a highly touted prospect coming up and he's, you know, he's got a chance to not make the team possibly. I mean, he's gonna be fighting for a roster spot. So there's a lot of young talent that that could take a big step forward going into 2016. Well, do you, let me rain on your parade 17, a little bit right 2017. now. 2017. <laughs> let me let me rain on your parade a little bit right now. Oh, so, of course you will. Why not? Six, maybe seven prospects in the top 100. Awesome for 2017. But it wasn't that long ago the Yankees had six top 100 prospects. In 2011, they had Batances. Great, awesome, one of the best uh, relief pitchers in the game. Manny Banuelos, nah. Uh, has he even made the majors yet for Atlanta? Not even sure. He's got arm problems every year, it seems like. He just keeps coming back and keeps going back on the shelf. Andrew Brackman, we never saw him. He never made it out of A-ball. Jesus Montero, he got fat. Gary Sanchez. Gary Sanchez was on the top 100 prospects in 2011, and he's just now uh, really progressing in the major leagues. And Austin Romine. So half of them have uh, contributed something to the Yankees, and half will never be heard from again. Yeah, but that's actually not bad if you're looking at what the if you're looking at those guys. So Batantis is now a dominant closer, and well, Gary Sanchez no. <laughs> is no, no. As we talked about last a do- week, not a closer. Yeah, see, I'm already doing him an injustice. A dominant reliever. Sorry, he wished the, he uh, was a closer because <laughs> he'd be making more money. Uh, he hated if he's listening to that. He hated every second of what I just said. Um, Gary Sanchez obviously is is uh, the the guy that we all were waiting. He's Montero. He's what we thought Montero was going to be. Yeah. And then Romine's a contributing factor. So that's good stuff. Yeah. The different the difference though the difference with that list in 2011 I think and looking at our list now is a lot of the guys now that we're seeing at the top of that uh, the top of our list are are very close and they were also. Very high top prospects from other teams that were acquired by trade. Thank so, you. I was just going to say that. Yes. So Kleiber and Clint, the top two Yankees prospects, were not drafted by the Yankees. So that and that's something gives me we a talked bit about. More confidence. Yes, that's something we talked about during the middle of the year when they went and made these trades. The Yankees farm system has been struggling for quite some time, and I have a feeling a lot of it was because of who they were drafting, what their scouting was doing. And they seem to fix that a little bit. They've done a lot better, I think, over the past three to four years. And also, now we're seeing, just like you said, uh, a couple other teams that the Cubs, we know they've drafted well. They've done a hell of a job. Um, you know, well, not Gleyber, even drafting. Yeah, but Gleyber was an international Right, signing, he was a signing. But, but you know what I mean? They're scouting you still, well. You still have to evaluate the talent. And then Clint Frazier was a you know a top 10 drafted guy and has progressed nicely. So, yeah, um, I think it's a different type of list right now. Um, also a difference in that list at, at the time in 2011, Batances, uh, Banuelos and Brackman were all starting pitchers. And I think they were sort of the top three Yankee prospects at that time. And if you look at the Yankee prospects now, um, the top five are all position players. And then you've got Caprillion and Sheffield who are pitchers, which I think pitching is a little bit more of a wild card when you're, when you're, um, evaluating prospects, it's harder to develop pitching than it is, or, I'm not. Maybe it's not harder, but it's harder to uh, predict what a player will be as a pitcher than as a position player. I think. Yeah, and you know Ben Willis. To be fair to him, I mean he was he was the guy that everybody was supposed to. He was supposed to come up and be, you know, the next great Yankee starting pitcher, and he just got 
crushed by injuries. I mean, he was he's had some for, unfortunate luck, I think, um, because he was looking good and progressing well up through the system. I mean, don't forget about like uh, guys like Jacob Lindgren too, who are top prospects in our on our list that are no longer on the team. I mean, there's their pitching definitely has its uh, you know its issues with 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 injuries. So I think you're seeing a lot more of these injuries, whereas position players could stay healthy a little bit better. They're not. Obviously, you don't have all the uh, the work on the arm, but I don't know. It's a different list, and I'm 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 ex- I'm a lot more hopeful for this list than I, than I am for uh, any other list well, I've seen in a long time. Twenty twenty, of course it is, but I am right now very hopeful. Um, do you remember who the Yankees got from Atlanta in that trade for Banuelos? Yeah, uh, his name is crushing me right now, but it's the relief pitcher from last year that you love, <laughs> David Carpenter. They also David got Carpenter. they also got Shreve. Yeah. Uh, uh, Benuelos did appear in a couple games. He started six games for the Braves last year. Yeah, and he, I think he went down with elbow injuries. Speaking of the Braves, though, uh, they're, it's the Yankees and the Braves have the top two systems in the league based on most rankings. So, um, just Torres to- took the number one shortstop spot, was which was uh, I think a surprise because yeah. uh, Swanson or Dansby Swanson is that yeah. his name? Yeah. Had the number one. He was the the number one guy for for a while. Is talking about shortstops. Yeah. He was the one traded from Arizona, if I'm not mistaken, right? From uh, yeah, the Braves. For <laughs> the Braves Miller. just completely fleeced Arizona, um, which many people think the Yankees fleeced the Cubs and fleeced the Indians. Hey, uh, Mateo was the number eight prospect, shortstop prospect in baseball. So the Yankees have two top ten shortstop prospects. Um, all right. So one of those guys we just talked about that is not on the list. Luis Severino had a terrible 2016. We were expecting big things from him. I think both you and I thought he was going to be the number three starter this year. Didn't happen. Um, but he's been working with, uh, one of our favorite players of all time, Pedro Martinez, uh, on his release point for his different pitches. Apparently, his fastball and his changeup and his slider were all coming out of different arm slots. And obviously that's going to not only affect the quality of your pitches, but it's going to affect what uh, hitters will identify. And if you're throwing your fastball and your changeup out of different arm slots, then it's easier to identify that it's a different pitch. And thus you can get uh, get hit harder. So he's been working with uh, obviously the Yankees tra- uh, Yankees pitching coaches and and I guess some some tips from Pedro Martinez. Yeah, I think during the offseason, a lot of these guys go go home or go to different camps and they start playing different places, whatever, and they start seeing different guys. So it's, they're not always around the Yankees coaching staffs at that point. So he's gotten some, some tips from Pedro. Fine, I hope Pedro fixes him. And, yeah, they're and Dominican boys probably. Yeah. So great. The big <laughs> issue last year for Severino, I mean, you're saying that we thought he was going to be the number three starter. I mean, this guy came out and was terrible, and nobody saw this coming because well, all you're we saying were, you didn't think that? We were expecting him to just, you know, continue what he was doing uh, from the year before and and really just slide in there and take that next step. And so the fact that he didn't do that was, you know, such a shock. And I think really, really with all the struggles early on from the offense and then we saw what Severino did. I mean, it really put the Yankees in a tough position. So hopefully he can come back, learn from that experience, get back up and throw the damn change up uh, effectively. And if it was out of a different arm slot, let's clean that up and uh, stop tipping your pitches, please. Um, yeah, apparently he was also too swole. He needed, he, he lost 10 pounds in the off season. He was getting uh, too ripped in the gym and that was affecting his flexibility and dexterity on the mound. I read that oh. today. I figured I'd throw those big words in there. Had nothing to do with the Oreos he was eating. The, I think that's funny. I mean, Wait, it's not like he, he, was eat, he was eating Oreos. Uh, yeah, it looks like, I think he was, uh, the, the weight he lost is probably some good weight. Maybe it wasn't, I don't know about the muscle weight. It's like it's, when uh, CC lost like 80 pounds cause he stopped eating Captain Crunch. Yeah, I mean that was significant. I mean he looked like a different person. He looked sickly. Looked like he melted. He, he did look like he melted. I don't. You know, I'm not. I'm not really buying too much into that. I hope he's in good shape. They all say they're coming in with good shape. I mean that's that's the the typical line of the spring. Oh, I'm in great shape. My body feels great. This is going to be a just, hell of a season. Just once, I want a guy to come in and be like, Yeah, I did jack shit this off season. <laughs> I'm tired. I'm fat. It's going to be rough. So the you know hopefully he cleans up the mechanics because that's obviously the issue and I think a lot of it was between the ears last year after he uh, you know got off to that horrible start you know the confidence was obviously down 
And, you know, the Yankees were talking about sending him down to get that confidence back up, to bring him back up. And I don't know, he was like a different dude when he was starting the game. And then, you know, what we what he did in the bullpen, we saw. Yeah, it was and, lights and, out in the bullpen. Which, and a lot of that's mental. Uh, oh, yeah, sure, sure is. But um, I guess the arm slot thing didn't didn't have a factor in the bullpen because didn't he go something like 40? Didn't he almost set a record for not allowing a hit over at over a certain number of at bats last year? Yeah, it was a long time. Yeah, so I don't really know how your mechanics are changing that much from uh, being a starting pitcher and then in the bullpen. I mean, you're pitching from the stretch more as a reliever, most likely, because you're going to have guys on base. But, you know, a lot of those innings that he was starting, he was coming in with a clean he inning. He was coming in in middle innings, clean innings. Yeah, so um, I don't – It's to me, it's between the ears. Um, do, uh, Yeah, I, I definitely agree that his head was not in a, in a good spot. Maybe he thought he um, – Maybe he uh, got a little discouraged when he got sent down. Who knows? But I'm happy that the Yankees um, are still trying to make him a starting pitcher. I was fearful that they looked at his season last year and said, wow, he's really got something out of the bullpen. Let's just use him there because we know he can succeed there. And to me, that would have just been giving up on him being a starting pitcher too easily. So I'm happy that he's going to be competing for the fourth and fifth spot in the rotation this spring. Yeah, because if he does figure it out, I mean, that's a huge bump in this rotation. Because if, yeah. if, if he's a solid guy that we were expecting him to be, that, that I mean, there were talks. <laughs> there were talks from Yankee fans about Severino being the best pitcher coming in next last year. There, there were th- Those were conversations that were so, happening. <laughs> I'm just, they were happening. We had a conversation, if you remember all, I don't know, not, not maybe uh, only a few of the listeners date back this far, but we were getting ready for the 2015 one-game playoff. And right. I believe I made a case for Severino starting. Well, that that's game just because you Tanaka. hate Tanaka. Yeah, I mean it's a it's it's as much of your down on Tanaka as you were high on Severino at that point. But at that time, we both agreed if they made it past that one game playoff, Severino was the number two starter in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean he, he was, was lights at out that point, in September. At that point, it was he was the clear number two. Yeah, that, that's right. And that's why it was such a shock that he came back and did nothing. I mean, if this guy comes in now in 2017, fixes his 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 mechanics, and comes back right, I mean, this is a different team, in my opinion, if you have him as a very good number three. I mean, that's that's hold on. A, it sounds a huge like deal. it sounds like maybe you're um, you're set, maybe saying X factor, P- potential X factor right here, no doubt. It's good, tough to make a pitcher an X-Factor, though. Usually I'm not, X-Factors I'm not are position in. players. I mean, can we not have an X-Factor in the rotation? Is that not a thing? This can, can only be one X-Factor. Well, maybe I'll make two. Maybe I'll rewrite this the book no of X-Factors. no longer an X-Factor. <laughs> um, stay, stay tuned for Scott and I's uh, X-Factors leading into spring training. Maybe we'll unveil our X-Factors on the podcast right before... Um, but you know what? Let's do it when we're down at spring training in Tampa. Let's reveal our X factors then. Yeah, we're pretty close to the end of spring training at that point. By the way, we're, we're the dates we're going is September twenty fourth and twenty. Or excuse me, March twenty fourth and twenty fifth, right? Yeah. So whatever if, that Friday and Saturday is, where the games we're going to. I know a lot of people have been tweeting us that they're going to be there. Uh, so continue to do so. Um, Book your tickets, book your flights, because we're going to be there the 24th and 25th of March. It's pretty much the last big weekend before the season starts, so definitely looking forward to that. Um, other sort of bit of news that came out, I guess, was that um, Tyler Austin is sucking up to the Yankees uh, organization, <laughs> and he got to Tampa early to work out. Yeah, it seems like he's been down there for a while. First of all, he was down there, then went up to Scranton to unveil their Baby Bombers logo. Do you like the logo of the alternate Baby Bombers? It's like the- got to be honest with you, have not yeah. looked at it. Oh, okay, so there's a the the the, the brand new logo right that now. Scranton has put out is uh, interesting. It's like a old school cartoon baby with like a scruff. Um, I, I don't think it's bad. It's fine. I, you know, it's an alternate logo, so that's they're not, it's not oh, like they're going to use it every while. It's the minor leagues. The minor leagues. Like, the minor like, leagues do this. This is what the minor leagues do. So it looks our, like Popeye with a with a hat, yes. a top hat on. <laughs> People get bent out of shape. I think about minor league logos. I mean, they're they're obviously doing it to sell as many. Are these hats the same people that think squirrels are, are cute? No, and I don't know why you don't think that you don't think people think squirrels are cute. It's a th- they absolutely do. There's squirrels in cartoons. They're 
People think they're adorable. I don't know why. They're rats with tails, like you said. I just, menaces. I just Googled, are squirrels cute? And why are squirrels uh, cute uh, was like the first thing that came up. <laughs> so Tyler Austin was up there. Then he was back down. And first of all, he looks jacked. That's that's one thing I got to say. Oh, I really? haven't seen any. Yeah, I haven't seen any uh, Tyler Austin workout videos yeah, along so with the I rest of the Yankees. I can't trust that he's been in the gym. If he has not tweeted about it, then I can't trust that he's been in the gym. But he looks, he looks jacked. I mean, dude looks... <clears throat> swollen uh so i'm i'm kind of uh i'm getting on the train here I, i'm excited for tyler austin i think that you know all the all the hype is coming out that he's like look i'm, I'm competing for that first base job you know to me that's that's what i'm going for i want to be the everyday first baseman for the but New he York knows Yankees. i mean he knows that it's greg bird's job to lose it doesn't matter if he knows that or not it doesn't matter if he thinks how much that or not. better if he how has a ridiculous of a spring, spring training, how much better of a spring training would he have to have than Greg Bird for them to have him be the opening day for uh, first baseman? I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the. It would have to be significantly better. I think. I mean, it wouldn't have. To, it wouldn't be close. If it was a, a he would a, have to hit like four hundred, and Bird would have to have like two hits all spring. I don't think it's that far of a that big of a gap. I think if Bird is uh, is healthy. And he and because uh, really stats in spring training don't mean much. It's more about uh, how the player looks and and how the uh, organization is evaluating him. So if he's swinging the bat well and hitting the ball hard, then I think it's Bird's job. Really, no matter what Tyler Austin does, I think if Tyler Austin comes out hot, he's going to get some early at bats against um, left-handed lefties. pitching. Lefties, so yeah, sure. you'll see that more often. And the conversation then about. You know, Matt Holiday coming in and, t- and playing first base will probably be a lot more quiet because Tyler Austin will basically take that job. And, you know, Tyler Austin, when he was up with the Yankees, he did struggle for a little while, but he also did have some very big home runs. He yep. showed the opposite field power that plays very well at the Yankee Stadium, you know, as everybody knows, going into right field. So, you know, he's got some 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 really interesting qualities for a right-handed bat, a young guy who could play first. And the other news is that he's, you know, trying to make himself as flexible as possible and taking some ground balls, playing a little bit of third. That's another interesting little tidbit. Playing a little bit of third base, you say? Tyler Austin playing third base. Did you did you just hear that? Tyler Austin, third base. No, did did you hear? It, it was it was quiet, but in the distance, I just heard Chase Headley shitting himself. Oh, a little bit. Yeah, I don't know. I think Chase Headley might be my comeback player of the year. <laughs> X Factor. <laughs> X Factor of the year. So back, X Factor. <clears throat> Tyler Austin's at the Yankees uh, Tampa facility working out early, working a first base outfield third base. If you're Rob Refsnyder, why are you not booking a plane ticket and getting down there immediately? Because he's Refsnyder. If he wants to make the team is it's, it's going to be Tyler Austin is his main competition. Yeah. I'd have to look at the, at the roster again to see if there's a possibility of having the two of them there. I, you know, I really I, don't see it. The other the other thing is is Hicks. I mean, it's is if Hicks has a well, terrible spring so, training, do they give up on him? I could see that. So I could see Girardi sticking with Hicks over um, Ref Snyder, even if Hicks has a terrible spring training because of the defense he can provide in the outfield, where Ref Snyder can't do that. Right, and I don't know. You know, one thing I have to check is if Ref Snyder has options. I don't know. Does he have any more options? He may have one. He's he's running out of them, I, I believe. If if he is, but that's a guy who could start in AAA. And then and then be up if he if he does have the options, so he's got a ref Snyder just needs to concentrate on on raking. I mean that's his. Yes. Be, yes. I think that he's never going to be a plus defender, so I think he just needs to start hitting the ball. I mean that's his only way he's going to be on the team is if he hits. Whereas well, Tyler Austin can at least provide a better defense than uh, ref Snyder at all positions that he plays. I think that we're going to see. The, the difference with Ref Snyder in the spring, I don't think they're going to put him back over at third base. No, so we, that was, we wa- that was a we, very failed experiment. Well, it was okay early on until like the last week and it just went bad fast. But so my point to that is that we're not going to see him struggle as much as we did last year. Whereas last year it became a glaring, it, it became more obvious because of those, you know, the very late spring training struggles at third. We're going to see him more in right field, possibly left field. And second base, and then maybe at first base occasionally. I, I I could see them completely stopping that too. But I think you're going to see him at second base and then the outfield. And in those two positions, I think he's a lot better defensively than, you know, we're seeing him at third and at first. Yeah, great. Yeah, he did. A, he he played an admirable first base when he was over there. And you and I both thought he played an admirable second base towards the end of 2015. 
No doubt. I think he was. A, I think he's a second base and right fielder. His two best spots. Yeah, it's where he feels at least the most comfortable. Um, yeah. All right, so um, let's move into some mailbag questions here. The first one is from Sock Therapy, and I just want to mention, uh, Mr. Sock, uh, you sent us a sort of like a contest a couple weeks ago about naming 2013 players. I just want to say that we saw it, and we actually spent about 10 minutes talking about it and then realized that the link you sent was not accurate. So it was completely wrong, and we had to delete that, that footage. That, those are lost uh, minutes of the Bronx Pinstripe Show. But I did so, win. I guess so. According to that link, you won. But I don't think you won according to what was actually the right 2013 roster. Anyway, no one knows, knows what we're talking about. Sock, if you want to send another contest unrelated to 2013, we're open to it. Just didn't want you to think we uh, totally ignored it. Less complex, please. Let, a little more, little easier for us, though. Remember that Scott and I uh, are only so smart. All right, he says, what is the intro and outro songs, and what is the story behind it? Also, do you guys wear high socks or no-shows? Guy really loves socks. Yeah, so the uh, the story behind it is is a guy, his, the name of the song is called One Way Ticket, and it's by a guy named Anatech, and he's a DJ, he does, uh, he just, he does a lot of, um, like, music, electronic, he mixes things in, he, he's, he's awesome, he's a guy that uh, I'm friends with on, on Facebook, I don't even remember how I connected with him at some point, but I'm so, friends with him on Facebook. He was he did something with he's a Yankee fan, lives in yeah. Jersey, and mixes a lot of really cool music. And if I uh, remember correctly is he was he followed our Facebook page, and um, at some point you got like you found you found his SoundCloud page or he sent you his SoundCloud page and you talked about how we were starting a podcast and asked if we could use any, uh, one of his tracks for the intro and outro, and you and I just sort of went through and. Um, Sort of like sort of each independently arrived at one way ticket as a good song for this podcast. Yeah, and it's got really cool parts of it. So the uh, the beginning is one way ticket, and then the end of uh, the podcast when we close out is also one way ticket, just a different part of the song. Um, and then I've I've cut up a little bit some of those some of those pieces. The other thing is we have um, uh, Scratcher Steve or Steve. He's a listener. He's we're connected on uh, Instagram as well. We've been using uh, some of his music actually in some of our transitions when we have the interviews. If you go back to the interviews, you can see the credits in uh, in those as well. So, yeah, we're, we try to use as many of you guys, like the listeners' stuff as possible when it comes out. If we see something, we're, we'll try to implement it into the show. Um, so that, again, no that socks. Was... The socks I wear usually no shows. Really. I'm a I've, high socks. I'm a high socks guy. But as I get older, I've been showing more sock. Hold on, hold on. Is this? I thought he was talking about baseball, like when you played baseball. Oh, high socks. He means in like everyday life. I don't know. <laughs> and when it, when I played baseball, I would always wear the high, high socks. socks. Yeah, me too. And in real life, I go no shows usually during the summer. I'm usually okay. wearing flip flops at this point. But yeah. Um, but now I'm wearing like ankle socks. Yeah. Okay. Yes, in the summer, if I'm wearing shorts and, and sneakers or something, going to going to Yankee Stadium, it's ankle socks. But if uh, if we're talking about baseball, like if I'm gonna go suit up for for a baseball game again, um, I'm putting those socks right at my knees. All right, what do we got next? Next is Yonder. That's how we're gonna say it. it's J A N D Y R. Yonder. How about that? Tell us if that was even remotely close. I'm going like Yarmir Yager. Yonder. So he goes, not sure if you guys have discussed this on the show. I'm a new listener, but just want to hear your thoughts on the World Baseball Classic. Um, this is going to be the podcast's first World Baseball Classic because the last one was four years ago, obviously, and this podcast did not exist then. So are you super excited that we have a podcast during the very riveting World Baseball Classic? Yeah, it'll be fun to talk about. I like this stuff. I was only semi-sarcastic. I think it uh, it certainly beats just average, ordinary spring training. Yeah, it's more entertaining, I think. And, you know, it's it's kind of like getting the Olympics without the Olympics. Baseball is not in the Olympics right now. It's coming back, right? I thought yeah, I heard so whispers of it coming back. And But it was going to be, obviously, only college players. Yeah, I mean, back – it's always been amateur. That's the amateur way it players, used to be. Amateur yeah. players. But um, – the World Baseball Classic is, uh, you know, I, I I enjoy when the the whole nation, everybody competes with their with their home nation, and they're they're playing for like a medal for for their country. I think that's fun. It adds a different element. 
you see the different, like if you go to the, if you're watching it and you're watching like the Dominican Republic play, their fans are crazy and it's a very different atmosphere than you're watching a game in the U.S. Um, yeah, so US I, I think it's team, cool to see a lot of the, the different aspects of that. The U.S. T- so I agree of everything you just said. Um, and it's unlike in uh, sort of, I was comp- going to compare it to basketball in the Olympics, but then I remembered that the U.S. just dominates that. Um, but it just doesn't, don't you, you feel that other countries care more about something like this than U.S. players? I don't know. I think the players care about it. I think I think the audience doesn't care about it as much. I think you. I think the the people in the U.S. don't care about it as much. Whereas uh, baseball fans in the Dominican Republic, baseball fans in Taiwan or wherever, they have more of a vesting interest. I think to beat the rest of the, the world. Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't the first year this happen, A. Rod played for the Dominican, and then the next year he played for the U.S. I, I don't remember. If that's it sounds, true, I, I think like it does that. sound kind of right. You can't flip flop. I'm remembering something along those lines. Though. I think he did. It sounds very. It sounds like a very much very, an A-Rod move. Very A-Rod. It's very A-Rod. <laughs> um, one of my favorite World Baseball Classic memories is from 2009. Do you remember when Bernie played for Puerto Rico? And this was like four, four years after he retired. Three years after he retired. So we hadn't seen Bernie in a long time, and he and he suited up. Yeah, see, that's I think when you're going down into like the Caribbean and you're seeing a lot of these guys in their home their home countries, they, there's a lot of pride playing for your country, and it's definitely I think the players in the U.S. have that pride as well because they want to compete. But I just don't think the fans in the U.S. are as into it because everybody has their allegiance towards you know their hometown team in Major League Baseball, whereas the the fans in a lot of these countries I think root for the guys that are from their country right yeah. depending on what team they're from but they're, they're I think they're rooting more for the guy and then you know obviously you become a fan of the team other know, just countries along with it but other countries just have much more of a sense of pride about things like that I feel than the U.S. Yeah, I don't know I think with the Olympics you, you start seeing that because you start caring about sports well, because, that don't well, matter yeah, well that's okay yes like swimming and and polo and uh track and field like those that's when all the diehards of those sports the olympics are when those guys can shine but as far as mainstream sports it's just hard to get jazzed up for that well that's because we have such a good pro system i think i i agree i think that's why i I think soccer is maybe the the one difference that you're seeing you see more of a a passion for but i don't watch soccer ever hockey okay olympic hockey i like olympic hockey better than the nhl yeah I don't even watch the NHL anymore, but it's, uh, I don't know. See, the more I'm, li- the more I'm talking about this, the more I'm listening. And I, I disagree. I think the U S is very passionate about a lot of it. I think in the world baseball classic is, is my, is my only example where I think that it's a, it's a little, uh, watered down for the, the U S fan. Um, as far as Yankees go, we know Didi is playing for the Dutch team. And I, I know Tanaka will not pitch for Japan, but I don't think any other Yankees are playing in the in the WBC. So, um, like a couple of years ago, Teixeira got injured and it derailed his whole season. So, I, for me, um, I'm just praying Didi gets through this thing healthy. Yeah, I'm not I'm not upset that they're not playing. To tell you the truth, it's uh, it's it's early that it's real baseball. People are caring and exerting a lot of effort. And it's very early in the season before, obviously, spring training is even over. So, you know, the the risk of injury is much higher than it would be in a spring training game, I think. And even, you know, beginning of the season because it's that comes later. So I'm happy that the Yankees aren't playing in it, to tell you the truth. Yep. But having said all that, I will watch. So, yeah, I will, I'll watch it. I'll Give me a reason to watch some baseball at that point. <laughs> Uh, next one comes from Clint. He says, in your opinion, what is a good comparison for Frazier and Torres? When do you believe they will make it to the majors? So very unfairly, Clint Frazier has been compared to Mike Trout. And I say that unfairly because like, how could you ever live up to that? Mike Trout is the best player maybe ever. And to, uh, to compare somebody, a young kid to, to Mike Trout, I think it just puts so much unrealistic expectations on him. Mike Trout's pretty young himself. (laughs) They're they're not that far off. Right. But the the dude's been in the league since he was 20 and, and this good since he was 20. Yeah. I mean, I think when people are making that comparison, they look at things like bat speed, stature, and 
you know, the, the tangible things, the physical tools that you're looking at, you're seeing similar like things. So will the production be on a Mike Trout production level? One can only hope one. I mean, that would be amazing, right? That would be, I'll take 75%. (laughs) That would be terrific. But if you're looking at the type of player, then that's, I think that's more of the comparison in in where, where it's drawn to, to a Mike Trout. Yeah. Uh, as far as stature goes, you're absolutely right. They're both um, – Mike Trout, I think, is a little taller. I think he's like 6'2", uh, 220 or something like that. And Frazier, do you remember when we talked to him, said, I'm listed at 6'1", but I'm 5'10". So they, whoever uh, put his information, his specs, into uh, ML, MLB.com clearly bumped him up a couple inches. Um, uh, but, I don't think uh, Mike Trout's 6'2", either, by the way. I think he's maybe six foot. Okay, so I, and I think, but I think he's listed at 6'2". Yeah, I mean, who knows what they're listed at, but yeah, we've we've seen what they're Isn't listed that at. Isn't so funny that like every no one is as tall as it as it's actually said they are. Except right. like Aaron Judge is actually 6-7, but other than that, like I feel like if you're under 6 feet, they you're lie to feet. make you 6 feet. Yeah. No, that's right. I think and then when you're taller then it doesn't matter you, what, what's the point in lying at that point. What's the point in lying? What's the difference if you're 5'10 or 5'11 or 6'1 or whatever? I don't know. It just looks better when you're six foot and, and plus. It just people like it better. I don't know. The the yeah the fact that he's listed. I'm looking at it right now. He's he's listed at six two. There's no way he's six two. Um, and then uh, looking at Frazier and Torres, who we're going to talk about in a second. They are not. I saw them in person when I was there a couple Tuesdays ago, and I'm taller, if not at maybe at like just a, a little bit taller than than Frazier, and I'm definitely taller than Torres. So and I'm like just under six foot, but I say six foot, but I'm like a hair under six foot. So you're part of the problem. Yeah, I mean, well, at one point my doctor told me I was six foot, so I, I held on to it. That, I would have done the same thing. Yeah, you know, my I dr- actually my grew, driver's license says six foot. I grew a half inch last time I went to the doctor. There you go. I was six. I was six foot and a half inch for like the last ten years, and the doctor was like, "Oh, you're you're a full six one now." Oh, yeah, awesome. and if anybody says I'm not six foot now, well, I'm just getting older, so I'm shrinking. So yeah, it's I mean it's just you know science. I mean I do joke about your age a lot, but you've got like another forty years <laughs> before you start shrinking. Uh, as far as uh, Fraser goes, though, I feel like he is he's got a lot of tools that he's really good at, but there's nothing he's like spectacular at. Um, and that kind of reminds me, as far as outfielders go, of Adam Eaton. I know Eaton is a lefty, but he's sort of just really good at a lot of things. Nothing is eye-popping, and I feel like that's the kind of player Frazier could be, where he's going to hit 280, he's going to hit 20 home runs, he's going to steal 15 bags, he's going to play good defense, he's going to have a really strong arm, and he's going to be a, a guy that's just uh, you know really solid for you. I think that is sort of where uh, his base may be as, as, a, as a player. Yeah, and I think that's a I – mean, a good comparison. So hopefully he can come in and start getting, I see. I think when, once he, I, it's so hard to talk about these guys, even at this point, I mean, yes, he's in triple a. Yes. Uh, we're t- going to talk about Torres. Who's, you know, double a, these are guys that are still, you know, coming into their bodies. I mean, they're literally, they haven't hit their peaks yet. So it's, you know, they're, they're still figuring things out. Sure. And, and we saw with Gary Sanchez where, when Gary Sanchez comes to the major leagues, this guy starts hitting all these home runs. He was never a home run guy in the minor leagues. Like this power was well, there, but it was, po- he had the power. He was calling Cashman nicknamed him the Kraken for a reason. Yeah. Well, cause of the, just because of the power and the, the sound of the bat, I understand, but, but I'm saying the, the home runs were not coming in the minor leagues and you know, he's going to hit 95 home runs this year. Where was that power? This is the type of thing that can translate as you get older, as you start figuring things out, you start getting used to the, um, you know, you know what you're looking at, and then you get you're literally working into your body when you're a young guy like that. So yeah, so you you said that you were taller than Torres, but remember he's 20, so he could still be growing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, he, he's not going to get much more than no, but I just grew a half inch and I'm 28. I think someone's lying to you. There's no way you just grew a half inch. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I was just have better posture. Who knows? Yeah, that's probably it. There's no possible way you're growing still at 28 years old. I'm sorry to break it to you. Nah, I've just had a really healthy diet this last year. You drink a lot of milk? No, I hate milk. Obviously, no way, no way you grew. <laughs> um, well, I read something today that uh, a Yankee scout compared Torres to Jeter as far as the it factor goes. Those lovely intangibles that Derek Jeter had. 
Um, so we've got a future Mike Trout and a future Derek Jeter. All right. <laughs> Dynasty. Here we come. You know, uh, I, I like the fact that, that people are comparing Torres to a Jeter in the, in the sense of off the field, composure, that type of, you know, the, the, the mentality, because that to me is something that will absolutely translate. That's something that, that can stay with you for a very long time, no matter what happens, because, you know, physical tools will, will come, they will go, you can get hurt. But the fact that you have it between the ears, the fact that you're mentally in the right place says a lot about you. And then when you start adding it up and your, your physical tools start, you know, catching up to where you, uh, where you are in your, in your head, then, you know, the sky's the limit. And that's kind of what we're seeing with this guy. I think, I mean, all of everybody who talks about him, every scout you look at has said that this guy is, you know, mature beyond his years. And that's a positive thing. And we're seeing what he's doing on the field now. Maybe that it factor is a reason he's the number three overall prospect in baseball. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he handles himself very well. He does. Um, one of the biggest compliments that I read today uh, on a scouting report is that Torres understands the strike zone. And he doesn't expand the zone. He doesn't get himself out, which means he doesn't have a lot of weak contact. I mean, and that shows he's got a 356 OBP in the minors. And I think at one point he had like a 385 in one season. So understanding the strike zone is another one of those things that he's sort of ahead of his years as far as maturity goes. Yeah, and that's a big deal. I mean, when you come up, you're going to start seeing a lot more junk. You're going to start seeing a lot of things outside the strike zone, trying to see guys getting you to chase. So if he's got that down and he's got the you know, the patience and the, uh, the, the wherewithal to, to lay off those pitches, you know, he could do, he could do some really good things. I mean, we're seeing what one of the biggest weaknesses I think with Starlin Castro up on the major leagues right now is the fact that he can't recognize a lot of these off speed pitches out of the zone and he's that struggling. Slider low and away is his nemesis. Yeah, it, it, it crushes him. So, you know, having the command and he's one of those guys who's got like ridiculous hand-eye coordination who can, you know, hit bad balls. Um, if you don't have to be that guy and you can be a guy that, you know, waits for your pitch and you can recognize those those balls when they come out of the uh, the pitcher's hand, that's a huge deal. Do you know who else couldn't hit the low and away slider? Alfonso Soriano. Yeah, that's right. You know who mentored Starling Castro? Alfonso Soriano. <laughs> it's all making sense now. It is actually very similar. Um, quickly, uh, I want to mention, last week we had a mailbag question about Torres um, making a double-A jump. If he, if he lights up double-A, could he go straight to the majors? And you and I sort of casually talked about maybe the Yankees just put him in AAA to start off because he's been so hot. And the more I read, the more I realized that's not going to happen. AA is sort of a very, very important level for prospects. It's where they face the biggest jump in talent from single A to double A. Um, a lot of really high prospects are in double A, whereas AAA also has a lot of prospects, but also has a lot of uh, MLB journeymen, has uh, swing players. I mean, just think of the Scranton, uh, the Scranton shuttle. Right. So... Um, while AAA might be the most competitive, AA is certainly where the most raw talent is, and I just don't see the Yankees skipping it entirely. Maybe he only spends a half season there, but as far as just uh, totally uh, leapfrogging it, I just don't see that happening. Yeah, and if he is there, you know, if it's a whatever the duration of time, um, we saw what Greg Bird did. I mean, Greg Bird was in AA, he was in Trenton, you know, uh, in 2015. Before he came up, I mean, he was a guy that started the season in Trenton and found himself halfway through the year or a little past halfway through the year in the major league. So that right. jump is uh, is something that can happen within a year. Absolutely. Um, and, and oh, the last question on this: um, When do you believe they will make the majors? I say Frazier this year, and I say Torres next year, twenty eighteen. Yeah, I agree. I think Torres could be a guy that we could see in September, though, too, depending on how his minor league year goes. But yeah, I think Frazier is on track. If it's it's up to him. I mean, if I'm he, not even saying September call for Frazier. I'm saying oh, I agree. Like, midseason contributor, like we saw with uh, Judge Austin and Sanchez. But the deal is, and this is exactly what Cashman was saying. Cashman has come out and and talked about this over the past couple of weeks. It w when is the time when these prospects are ready? Well. They got to knock down the door. I mean, it's up to them. If they knock down the door, if they say if, if it's if it's impossible to keep them down because they're lighting up AAA, then they're going to come up. I mean, yeah. it's so it's the player who dictates when they can come up. It's also a, it also has to do with how the players at the major league level are performing. If but there but there's nobody up here that's going to stop him from coming up. Well, and it, it's see, here's where I think you're wrong. If everything goes very very well for the Yankees and they're in a playoff hunt and both Gardner. 
and uh, Ellsbury are having good seasons, they're not going to have Frazier play instead of one of those guys. It's just not going to happen. Right. Everything has to go very, 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 very right for, for that okay, right. yeah. for that occurrence to happen. But no, I don't think Brett Gardner is going to, to stop Frazier from coming up if he's, if he's having an unbelievable first half of the year. I, I, don't, I don't see it happening. I think they will bring him up. You saw what the you saw what we brought up young guys last year. What because happened? that's the guys that, because the team sucked. No, but I'm saying there was a spark. The guys played well. Oh, that spark I know can absolutely happen again. But they brought up all those young players because they had uh, Aaron Hicks trotting out in right field every night, and they just traded Carlos Beltran, and they had uh, Brian McCann who was clogging up the catcher spot. So they brought up uh, Gary Sanchez. They had. Bad players at the major league level. It's why they brought up minor league guys. You're right. And Brett Gardner and Jacoby Ellsbury are exactly what you just said. They're not great players. But they could be. There's a chance. Everybody could be. Aaron Hicks could be Jackie Bradley Jr. You want me to keep saying that? I mean, I don't think that's possible. That's unrealistic. No, that's that's a possibility. No doubt about it. I mean, look at him. He's Jackie Bradley Jr. in the making. It's obvious. But the fact is, is that we saw, it doesn't matter the circumstances why they came up. We We look at what they did. When they did come up, they sparked the team. The team was better when these guys came up. What, that's what youth can do. You have a guy who's lighting up AAA, has all this fanfare, ready to come up, ready to chomp at the bit. And the Yankees are, even if they're fringe competing, it's in their interest to bring this guy up at that point and, and, and act as a spark plug. Brett Gardner's not going to be a spark plug. Maybe we should have someone pull a uh, Nancy Kerrigan and whack Jacoby Ellsbury's knee. So oh. there's a, a spot for Clint Frazier. That was Andrew who said that. Andrew, did I, did I even get the reference right? Was it Nancy Kerrigan? She's Tanya Harding's the one. Tanya hit. Harding. Nancy Kerrigan got her got her knee demolished. Got it. I don't condone that. Yeah, I'm just saying it was not me. Scott Rennan did not say that. Wink, wink. All right, what do we what do we have as the last uh, mailbag here? Uh, last one is from Andrew. He says, at this point, his leverage has to be low. So, what do you think about the Yankees taking a discount deal with Jason Hamill? Yeah, so Jason Hamill is one of those guys that has just hung around all offseason, and it's kind of surprising because um, he doesn't he didn't have a draft pick associated with him because he didn't get a qualifying offer. So you'd figure he'd be one of the first to go, right? But um, originally, MLB trade rumors predicted he'd get three years, forty two million, and he's still out there. So he's looking at a one year, ten million dollar contract. I mean. Bartolo Colon got uh, one year, 12.5. R.A. Dickey got like one year, 9 million. So that's sort of the going rate for a mediocre starting pitcher. Um, I just don't think at this point the Yankees are looking to add that kind of payroll to 2017. Yeah, the payroll, you know, that's that's the thing. I, I agree with you. I don't think they're going to look to add that payroll. I think they've committed right now. We're looking at what the rotation can be. And... You know, I think there's uh, there's some guys in the minor leagues that they're still very high on. I think Chase Adams is a guy that we need to keep an eye on. He's not in the top 100 list of prospects, but this guy had a ridiculous minor league uh, year last year, and is uh, is they're they're very high on him to to fast track through the minor league. So there there are guys in the minor leagues that they're they're ready to go for, and I think they would prefer to look at some of these guys rather than bring in uh, almost 35 year old Jason Hamill for 10 million dollars. Uh, you know. I could see them offering some some minor league spring training uh, invitations to to guys not named Jason Hamill, just to, some arms to see what they got. But that's that's about it. Yeah, I think maybe if the Yankees were in a spot where they were a little bit more confident, they'd be uh, in a hunt for the playoffs. Then Jason Hamill could come in handy as a veteran starting pitcher. But do we really? I mean, isn't this the time to be seeing what the young kids have and not trotting out Jason Hamill every five days? Yes, and I think that's one of the big reasons why they didn't go after Tyson Ross. I think, you know, we talked about that. I think they're ready to, to see what, what we got. And, you know, granted, they're they're expecting Luis Severino to, to be the guy that they thought he was, uh, and, and that's a big deal. So, you know, a lot of this has to come down to, to what the guys who are up from last year, if Severino pulls it around, if Chad Green can take that next step, you know, Brian Mitchell is going to be healthy. You know, there's a lot of things that, that went wrong early last year that really could have changed the Yankees' season last year, I think. You know, I think that Brian Mitchell injury at the end of spring training was devastating. Um, yeah. Severino might as well have had that. I mean, it was he was so bad that it, it – I mean, it was like he was, you know, injured. I mean, they were just taking losses left and right. So, 
you know, there's a lot of things that happened at the end of the spring training last year that, that were not so good. Um, and uh, I think maybe they're kind of banking on their lucks a little better this year. Also, Hamill has given up 48 home runs over the last two seasons. <laughs> now we could just get Phil Hughes back if we want so, that. Yeah. That doesn't necessarily uh, spell well for Yankee Stadium as a fly ball pitcher. I know Wrigley's not not a uh, not a conducive. Or excuse me, Wrigley is also a hitter's ballpark, but that's a lot of home runs for for over the last two seasons. So I'm gonna say no, thank you on Jason Hamill. He must be asking for a lot of money too. Something because if he hasn't signed by now, there's well, something he else. A, he had a really good season last year. I know the Cubs were awesome, so everyone had a good season for them. I mean, I think he won 15 games because all their pitchers won 15 games, but. But something um, happened at the end of the year, right? Because he wasn't even on the postseason roster. Yeah, he was. He had he had a little arm issue at the end of the year, but yeah. they're saying he's healthy now. Maybe that's why. Um, but I still think he'll get. Like, if you're the Baltimore Orioles, why would you not sign him? Your rotation sucks, but you you made the playoffs last year. You you still think you could compete for a playoff spot? I feel like the the Orioles are a perfect landing spot for him. I agree, and he isn't. He, he used to play for the Orioles. This is this is a, a good spot. I think. I don't. I, if I were the Orioles, I'd be taking a shot at everybody. Yeah, and Camden Yards is also like he'll give up forty-eight home runs alone next year in, in Camden Yards. So yeah. Um, all right. Thank you to everyone who submitted mailbag questions. Again, um, you can do that at bronxpinstripes.com uh, slash podcast. You can call the voicemail line six four six four eight zero. It's not the number, Scott. What's the number? You had it. You, you I had did. It. Uh, yeah, six four six. 480-0342. All right. Uh, fan Shop 25% off code for this week is Rebuild Empire 25. Go buy some awesome Yankees merch. Scott, any last words? Talking about 61 in the next two weeks, so that will be uh, fun. I'm going to rewatch it this week, so definitely get those in too. Check that movie out. I mean, if you haven't seen it in a while, rewatch it or look it up. Throw some questions at us. This is going to be our first movie review, Yankees movie review, so uh, we're flying blind on this one. If you got anything, send it in. Awesome. Have a good week, everyone. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.